welcome to The Bottleneck. The Bottleneck is a podcast dedicated to the love of factory and automation games. We're here to bring you the latest news and game reviews in the genre. I'm your host, Dave, joined by my fellow co-host, longtime friend, and virtual drinking buddy, Chris. Also joining us again this week is our audio engineer, Kamal. Kamal is also a longtime friend and fellow drinking buddy. The three of us have a strong friendship going back decades. That's right. We're a few guys who have decades of gaming experience across a variety of gaming genres, who in the past couple of years have shared a deep appreciation for factory and automation games. We're going to start off today talking about our first bottleneck, what's in the glass? I had a big dinner party this afternoon, so I am really full of food, so I went with something extra light. I'm drinking a Kugel Summer Shandy, which is kind of half beer, half lemonade, and all delicious. Uh, tastes like summer. How about you, Chris? Like those those liney summer shandies are one of my favorite for warm weather and laying in the pool. So that's a great beer to start off with. I personally am on a whiskey kick right now. So I have an Arizona Bourbon Society Russell's Reserve pick in my hand. This one's called Mojave Tea. It was. It was picked around the time that that Twisted Tea incident went down. It's just a very delicious whiskey. Got a lot of brown sugar notes to it. And overall, uh, very good. Enjoying it very much. What about you, Kamal? Yeah, that sounds delicious. Uh, have you, haven't you been on a whiskey kick for a couple of years now? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of gotten a little out of control, but, you know, it comes with the territory. Well, I'm having a Copper and King's Butchertown Reserve Cask Brandy, which I brought back from Louisville a couple weeks ago, and I'm really enjoying it. It is definitely cask strength, so I've had to water it down a lot, and uh, it's still still biting me pretty hard, but it is delicious. Yeah, those Copper and King King's Brandies are really good. We have a, a Bourbon Society pick we did of one of them a few years back, and it's one of my favorite brandies in the cabinet, too. Yeah, we went to the distillery, and um, it was after visiting multiple whiskey distilleries. I, I don't know if I was just tired of whiskey at that point or what, but I had one taste of it, and it was some of the best things I've tasted in a while, so I brought back a couple bottles. Very nice. Can't say I've drank too much brandy. I should probably fix that sometime. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially if you're not a big fan of whiskey, per se. It's a, it's another, you know, barrel-aged hard liquor that... Uh, just has different notes. And I think Copper and Kings does a lot of apple brandy too, don't they? They do. And I brought one back, but I haven't tasted it yet. Nice. Well, I'll be in Ohio in a few weeks, Kamal. Maybe we'll have to get together for some brandy. Absolutely. I'll save you some. In this week's notable news, Dyson Sphere program went through a pretty major update. One of the biggest releases than this patch was the metadata system. We teased it a little bit last episode talking about the new game plus. Metadata is basically research from your current star clusters that's added to a global pool amongst all your saved games that you can then spend in a new game to unlock research. So instead of having to research and build 50 energy matrix for instance, you could simply spend 50 and instantly research that. The downside to it 
something that I don't know if I agree with. Maybe they'll tweak it going forward, but it's a one-time spend. So if you have a cluster that adds 10,000 of each matrix to the pool, you can only spend it one time and it goes away permanently. There's no way to restore it from that pool. You can't load up an old save game. So be careful how you spend it. A big update that's a very, that's a blessing is a uh, force blueprints. So if you, in the past, if you try to put a blueprint down, it could come up with an error saying that there was a collision with the belt or maybe there was two buildings that were too close to each other or you're placing it and there's like a mine in the way, but it's not in the way of the blueprint. You can now shift enter and it'll force the blueprint down. And then you can go to the place that, um, you can go to the place where the collision was and you can fix the issue and then either restamp down the blueprint over it or just fix it. So I like this because I have a lot of blueprints that were very specific to the hemisphere they were in. And now I can stamp them in the middle of the e e equator, fix them, and then uh, re-recopy that blueprint to the, to the book. So that's a huge update and it's been very welcomed by the community so far. And the last big update to the April 21st patch for DSP is the ability to color your Dyson spheres now. So it helps in the customization. If you're trying to make a specific layout or de design, you know, have the ability to color different sections of the sphere. Yeah, keep an eye out for a uh, hopefully gorgeous new bottleneck Dyson sphere coming soon. Uh, and other automation game updates, Junk Punk just released their Monolith 2.0 update. They made a ton of additional changes. It looks like they improved things a lot. Uh, we're going to go into more detail on that on our next episode when we plan to actually cover Junk Punk. Uh, but we'll have to obviously play a little bit more in the Monolith 2.0 before we can do that, since it was just released on the same day that we're recording this episode. Harkening back to our first episode where we talked about Autonauts, uh, the developers posted their first update in a while on their upcoming survival mode that's been in development for a couple years now. They have actually shifted gears on that because it sort of got out of hand, the development of that mode. Instead of just being a free update for Autonauts like they are originally hoping, hoping, it's going to be a standalone game now. They're planning to make sure Anyone who owns Autonauts will get a discount on that, but it's uh, it just got so big that they're going to have to release it separately. They say they feel like they're just a few months from completion, so hopefully we'll get some more info on that soon and get to play it in just a few months. In additional news, Tectonica, the underground factory game that's coming soon, they did another Ask Me Anything and what they teased this time was the up-and-coming Community Alpha. If you're interested in joining it, uh, just like we are, we actually submitted to join the Alpha. You should go over and check out their Discord to get in on that. Uh, additionally, in other releases, Factroids uh, is no longer just a demo play on Steam. You can now join the Early Access that is that just released on the 28th. 
Now on to our game review of the week. Today we're going to be talking about Satisfactory, produced by Coffee Stain Studios. Uh, we kind of consider this to be part of the big three, along with Factorio and Dyson Sphere program. They're the kind of the titans of the genre. So this is the last one we'll be covering here. Um, Satisfactory is a first-person 3D factory building game. So we have Factorio, which is 2D top-down, and then Dyson Sphere Program, which is isometric 3D, and now Satisfactory is first-person 3D. In Satisfactory, you're the employee of a large company, Fixit Corporation, and you get dropped onto a planet to exploit the natural resources there and send them off-planet via either a space elevator that you have to build or a hub freighter, just a, a little building that you just ship things off-planet with. Usually when you send those resources off planet, you unlock some additional buildings or equipment that helps you build a bigger, more complex factory. You start out with simple iron and copper materials and power purely coming from biomass like uh, trees and leaves. Then you work your way up through steel, quartz, coal, other complicated products. They use additional production buildings. You get coal power, nuclear power, etc. You also get additional methods of transportation beyond your belts that you start with, things like trucks and trains that can move goods. You get a jetpack and blade runners to help you move around, improve your jumping, get you around the map a little easier. There are several major departures in Satisfactory from the other main games in the genre. There's no blueprinting system, so you have to build everything by hand. Everything you build comes from raw materials that you carry in your inventory rather than carrying around whole buildings. The world is handcrafted rather than procedurally generated like the other games in the genre. So every game has exactly the same setup. So on to our initial impressions of the game. So I'm probably well beyond in the like a technical initial impression at this point. I'm around 115 hours. I've played about three different maps at this point. And I'm putting maps in air quotes when I say that because it's the same map. I've started in different areas in each of the of the playthroughs, but it's all the same. Um, I think when it comes to the graphics, this is the hands down winner for graphics in the in the genre. I think that's probably the biggest thing it has going for it, and it's a very chill and relaxed game, and it's beautiful. Um, there's a lot of the uh, the ambiance of the game is up there. The sounds in the game, the noises, how good it looks. You know, you, you can really get immersed and lost into it. It's a casual, relaxing game, and that's how it should be be played. And, you know, you can play it at your own speed. So I like the game a lot. Uh, I consider it one of the big three of the genre, next to Dyson Sphere Program and Factorio. And I find myself playing into the wee hours of the night. Uh, I think it's a very addictive game, as well as being a, a nice, casual player. Yeah, this is one of the first games we're talking about that we diverge a little bit. Uh, I've only played about 22 hours, according to Steam. It's, I would say, definitely my least favorite of the big three. Uh, some of that is just my own failings, though. I'm generally speaking bad at first or third person 3D games like this. The controls just like, I don't know, something about it I just don't think that way. I'm much, I'm much better at 2D games or isometric games where I'm able to see more of the world around me. 
everything when you're building feels kind of bulky and awkward to me. The buildings are just so big and it's so hard to figure out where to place things, how to align things to get it all to fit together. Um, and it, one of my biggest complaints overall is that it seems like the game kind of holds you back in a lot of ways. You know, you, you takes you a long time to even unlock a, a map in the game. So you can't really see what the world looks like around you until pretty deep in, in fact, deeper than I've ever actually managed to unlock unless you use mods to get the map earlier. Um, it's my understanding is that the, uh, Coffee Stain is attempting to recreate sort of a, a big corporation experience where you're working for Fixit Corporation. And they don't give you anything beyond what you need. Now, I've spent plenty of time in my life working for a big corporation and it kind of sucks. And I don't really want that recreated in a game that I'm playing for fun. So that, that's not exactly my favorite. It's definitely still an enjoyable game. It's gorgeous, like you said. And the building is wonderful, but... It just feels like everything takes a little bit too long to do. And right now, you know, I have two kids. My gaming time is at a premium. And I just don't get the sense of accomplishment out of building things in satisfactory that I do in Dyson Sphere Program or Factorio, where I can make these mega factories in half the time, even if they don't look nearly as good. But, you know, I'll probably eventually come around when I have more gaming time and build some really cool things, especially once it gets to 1.0. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it so far yet, but Satisfactory is still early access. They're still building on additional endgame content, tweaking things throughout the, uh, the whole process. There's going to be an update fairly soon that adds a little bit more quality of life stuff around like being able to hold additional items and stuff. So there's a lot more content coming and a lot of improvements that they're probably going to make. So this is the point of the podcast where we go through this week's game and break it down into the individual categories. First up is the gameplay. I give this one about a 9 out of 10. There's a couple of things that irk me about it, but overall, you know, I think it's very good with the gameplay. You know, you start off with literal hand mining and hand crafting, and you eventually get basic logistics to start to expand to these mega factories and build little factories around the map, and then you eventually get trains and drones to move the product around to each of the areas. The complexity does scale up as you research. So tier one research might be 200 of each type of item that you need. But by the end, you know, when you get to tier eight, tier nine, it might require huge factory lines that are real complex to even create that end product. It does scale up as the game goes. Uh, like Dave mentioned earlier, it does take a while to get there. I think my latest playthrough, I'm at like 28 hours or something into it, and I'm still only at tier seven. I still have another tier or so to go. So it takes a long time to get there. There's some things with it, um, snapping of the of, of buildings, snapping of belts, snapping of the conveyor belt elevators and all that. Sometimes snapping is really wonky. It can be finicky trying to place it. I think that needs a little bit of work. Some things with the, like the flora, if you cut down a tree or a shrub or a bush or something, it's permanently gone forever. So you kind of have to manage the local resources, especially early on. You don't want to have to run across the map to have to cut down more trees to power your base. Unlike Factoria or DSP, where you're eventually building these mega factories that are making thousands or tens of thousands of the end products 
per minute in Satisfactory. You're building these massive mega factories to maybe pump out one, two, three item per items per minute of an end product. And they're just really huge lines. It's difficult to scale up. There's no blueprinting, so you can't copy paste sections of the factory to clone them. Everything has to be hand, hand placed. And then I think the power requirements, this is really, this has to do with me personally, but you have this tiny little building and it requires 20 megawatts of power to, to run. And it's like, eh, 20 kilowatts in real life makes more sense. And we need to take a move the decimal place over a little bit and scale it down. It just doesn't make sense to me, but overall the gameplay is fantastic. You know, it's very relaxing to play. So I give it an overall a nine out of 10. And I'm going to go with about a seven out of 10. I find it much more difficult to build a large factory than DSP or Factorio. Like you said, the, the end amounts are much smaller, which feels weird. And it, takes as much or more effort to get there. Uh, but when you do pull off building a, a big endgame factory, it's going to be a lot cooler looking than anything in either of those games. To me, the others are all about building more, getting better efficient, but getting bigger efficiently, while Satisfactory is more about making things cooler. Doesn't really get a lot easier to build as you keep getting more technology. Things, you know, your factory just gets more complex. You get more buildings that you need to fold into everything and more more intermediate products going into the final products, but you can build more organized and prettier using things like drones and trains, which can be its own fun. I am annoyed at how you have to build everything from raw materials in your inventory. I find it's really easy to you know, forget a raw material or not get the right ratios. And then I run out of you know, reinforced plates when I need to build more of something. And I just, I can't, I have to go back to my original factory because I probably haven't developed enough stuff to bring stuff across this map easier. Um, you know, a lot of my annoyances with this game can be solved by mods, but we're reviewing the game. We're not reviewing the mods. So it's, there are a lot of, a lot of things that just kind of annoy me about the base game that make it a little bit less fun than I'd like, even though, man, you can build some really cool stuff. Just like looking at some stuff other people have built is, you know, there's just some incredible creations and even if the building can be a little bit bulky and awkward, it's just, you know, it's it serves a really, really interesting end. Yeah, some of those uh, factories online that have 4,000 hours in them, right? They're just amazing, gorgeous creations. Yep. The uh, next section is the balance. I gave this... Uh, Somewhere between a 7 and an 8 out of 10, probably a 7.5 is probably accurate. Um, for the most part, it's balanced. Some of the inputs, outputs make a lot of sense to me, right? I've always said in the past I want it to be a little bit realistic, so I don't, I don't want to have to put 30 iron ingots in to get a screw, a single screw out. You know, that doesn't make sense. You know, in this game, there's some recipes where you put a plate in and you might get, you know, 4, 8, or 12 screws out of it. That makes more sense. Um the progression of the recipes can be a little long in the tooth, though. The one I picked just as an example is the pressure conversion cubes. It's one of the, it's not even end game product, which is kind of the annoyance with it, but it requires 38 different recipes or inputs to be chained together in order to make one of them. And that's at one per minute. And 
It needs 90 different smelters, constructors, assemblers, and manufacturers to get to one per minute. You know, that's just a massive assembly line, and it's not even an end product at that point. It's still an ingredient and a further recipe. It's a little ridiculous at that point sometimes to have to set that up, especially when there's no blueprinting. You can't even clone some of the early aspects of the base. So you're having a hand placed down this basically a 38-step recipe to get to not even an end product. I don't think that's very friendly. On the other hand, while some recipes are lengthy, I think there's an appropriate amount of ingredients that you need to unlock research, and that's very relevant to what you're what you're researching. And it's the game does push you in a linear fashion to get to the next tier. You naturally unlock different sections of of your factory, building out the items required for research. So I do like that, and it's well balanced in that. Um, the downside, however, there is one section of it: the space elevator research to unlock the tiers for that section of the game. They serve no other purpose in the game. They're not used in building. So you build up massive factory assembly lines for no other purpose than to do the space elevator. And once that's done, then there's no other purpose for them. So maybe there will be down the road, but as of this time, there isn't. What about you, Dave? What do you think of the balance? Yeah, well, I think that kind of makes sense that the space elevator items uh, serve no other purpose because it's like, you know, these are the things you're shipping off planet. That you're, uh, you need to produce for the company. So for, from a flavor perspective, it makes a ton of sense. And then there's always the fix-it sink where you can just you know switch. Once you've launched your space elevator, you can switch to just getting tickets out of those so you can buy additional interesting things to build. Um, in terms of overall balance, I it's pretty good. I would give it also like a seven out of 10, maybe on the lower end of seven for me though. Um, it does a good job of scaling, you know, as your outputs get more complex, as the game goes on, the inputs get more complex too. Like you have those long production chains. I, I haven't gotten as deep into the game as you, so I haven't seen things like the pressure conversion cubes that sound like that would drive me absolutely nuts having to build that and then be like, oh, maybe I want to build more of them. Do I want to build these 90 buildings again? No, I do not. Never mind. I'll just give up. Um, so yeah, I don't love how the complexity continues to scale, but there aren't really that many corresponding improvements in how you can actually build things. You do get some good improvements like the map, the jetpack, but you know, everything stays huge. The buildings are gigantic. There aren't many improvements. You don't get to upgrade too many things other than like your belts. Um, one aspect of the game that I really do like, uh, there are hard drives scattered around the map that... You can uh, research to get alternate recipes for a lot of things. And some of those are pretty neat. Um, if you, you know, if you have surplus of something and there's an alternate recipe for it that lets you produce something else out of it, that can be really, really clutch. And it's just, it. I, I really like the idea of having more than one way to produce certain things on the map. So that's really nice. Um, but yeah, overall, it's it's decently balanced. I would love to see some more quality of life improvements. The next thing we're going to talk about is the controls. They're pretty solid overall. Like I mentioned in my initial impressions, I'm just terrible at controlling characters in true 3D. It's a, just a failing of my my own capabilities. So I can't knock the game for that. I'll take other people's word for it that the controls are pretty good, but I don't 
super love them, but that's just because it's a 3D game. Yeah, I found the controls were pretty easy to learn, especially the uh, hotkeys that are available. There's not much hand movement around the keyboard for the most part. You know, that's one of my annoyances is playing like a first-person shooter or a first-person game like this, I want to keep my hands on WASD. I don't want them to have to drift too far. And the majority of the controls that get by in the game are going to be near that home row. You don't have to really go far beyond it. I did complain earlier about the snapping of items. There has been some big improvements with the zooping when you're doing foundations or walls. That helps a lot. So you don't have to click on each individual wall anymore. You can drag and do an entire row up to 10 at a time. So that's cool. But sometimes starting the uh, zoop out, especially on ramps, can be really painful. Trying to get, you have to almost get pixel perfect accuracy on an edge in order to, to, to start the ramp. It's improved with update five big time over previous updates, um, but there's still some work to go on that. Yeah, one thing there um, that I think update five added that I've ne- I didn't play before update five, so I never experienced uh, the way it was before. But I believe you needed to have proper clearance before update five. Uh, but in update five, you could have things overlap a little bit, and the game will still let you build it. It yep. sounds like it would be miserable to need perfect clearance all the time in order to place anything. Yeah, there was they made uh, soft and hard clearances now. So the uh, soft clearance is where you might encroach on its hitbox and it might graphically look bad or it might look a little awkward but it will still let you build it and then there's hard clearances where you can't obviously stack two buildings literally over each other um so that definitely helps because previously over like the water extractors for instance right its upper clearance was like 30 meters above it for some reason so you couldn't put it underneath the foundations unless the foundations were stacked you know 10 high because it had this massive hard clearance that was above it so that's gone now it's a lot easier to place buildings than it used to be by a long shot and then the uh, next category is graphics and sound i think i admitted to it in the past but i typically don't have sound on Um, but this is one game where i actually have played with the sound especially late at night there's a lot of cool ambient noises in the game, and the music's pretty good. But the graphics are by by far the best in the genre. They're gorgeous. I mean, it just looks amazing, especially when you get into caves underground. They did a really good job. You know, that is partially due to the handcrafted nature. They can definitely up, up the ante when it comes to the graphics. Um, but yeah, I gave it top scores for graphics and sound. Yeah, this I agree on. This is definitely the number one draw of the game. The graphics are gorgeous. You can build some amazing things, and they look awesome. I could sit there and stare at the space elevator animation where it's launching things into space for you know minutes at a time. It's just it's so well built, so well well designed. All the animations, all the graphics are amazing. Uh, the sound is great as well. Like you said, I, I don't. Much like you, I don't always play with sound on, but in this one, the sound is very well done. The next category is the weight, so how hardcore the game is. Uh, I really like the pace of this game in general. You can take it nice and slow. Your resource nodes are unlimited. I really like that aspect of the game. There's no time pressure. 
Um, not having that time pressure is huge in a game that's all about building cool, gigantic things. So, you know, you can just leave it running for a while to build up resources so that you can build something awesome. I really like that about this one. The weight is very excellent. There's a little bit of fighting enemies away from nodes, but, you know, once you build something where they were originally, they don't respawn. So that's nice. Yeah, Confustain touts the game as being casual, relaxed style, station, uh, style game. Um, resources are unlimited. Some things aren't fully unlimited, being trees, and I think the little mushrooms that are in the game aren't, and slugs aren't either, but almost everything is infinite. The only issue I've run into, and actually one of our fellow friends ran into, is he had a whole um, backpack full of power slugs and accidentally fell off a cliff, and you know those were permanently lost forever just because of the way that he that he died in the game. But as long as you're careful, you know, things should be fine. But yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, there's not very many pressures in the game. And as you get towards the end game and get the better weapons, enemies are kind of a, an afterthought, just more of a, an annoyance. And as long as you have, a, as long as you don't have a bugged, res, uh, a bugged respawn for them, there's really no issue for it. I just happen to have a plastic factory where there's the uh, alpha spitter keeps respawning right in the middle of it. So it's kind of a bug because enemies aren't supposed to respawn within 300 meters of, of a building. But this guy does right in the middle, and it's kind of uh, painful when he does. Because one hit of that takes more than half your health away. But, you know. Again, it's, it's, it is early access. There are yep. going to be bugs like that. I'm honestly surprised there aren't more. They've done a really good job of uh, making sure the game is as playable as possible. Speaking of playing or even replaying and modding, that's our next category. I give this probably the lowest mark of any category. I only give it a 4 out of 10. It gets a huge hit for me because it's not procedurally generated. That is, you know, that gives you a very narrow replaying because you can only play the same map so many times. And there's only going to be so many ways to build optimal factories based on the fixed nodes that they have. Right. Everything's fixed. Everybody knows where they're at. There's databases online that tell you exactly where they're at. Even some of the you know suggestions on where to put certain factory pieces at. You know, if you want to do an aluminum factory, you should build it over here because the bauxite spawn is over there. And there's a coal and quartz over there too, and it really helps you. So I think they need to take a, a page out of No Man's Sky book. You know, No Man's Sky creates very gorgeous biomes and, and planets. And it's all procedurally generated, even down to the creatures are procedurally generated based on rules. So if, if, if they can do it, you know, I don't see why procedural generation can't be added at some point. And then as far as modding goes, I have not played it with mods at this point. I think the game works pretty well as is. So I haven't required the, or I haven't, uh, um, it hasn't required the need for mods for me personally yet. Yeah, I... I would have given this about a 1 out of 10 uh, a few days ago, but then I installed some mods uh, that I've been kind of enjoying playing a little bit in the last few days. Some of them address some of my biggest issues in the game. There's one that unlocks the map immediately. There's another one that gives you trains in Tier 1 instead of much later in the game, later than I've already gotten to in my main game. So 
Um, I, I like the modding scene. They've taken away some of the major pain points I have with the game, which is nice. Um, but like you, the I agree that the lack of procedural generation just makes it not that much fun to start over again. There's no real reason to to actually create a new game if I I, I don't want to have to do all that research again. If I want to build a new factory, maybe I'll just delete my old one, remove it by hand, and then build a new one. Um, there is like a, a save editor that I haven't checked out yet, apparently, where you can you can use that to like mass delete a lot of things or give yourself items and things like that. That is a little bit intriguing to me. Uh, obviously, that's not official, but if you do something like fall into a canyon with all your power slugs, you can put those back, which would be pretty nice. As I was looking through the mods, I didn't actually install this, but there were a couple neat looking ones that add a bunch of additional milestones or add some some new features to the game. There's one that was like farming based uh, that I, I'm curious to check out, mostly because I love a lot of farming games. So I, I like the modding scene. It, it seems interesting and like it could add a lot to the game for me, at least. Yeah, and speaking of replaying, um, I get the vibe from Coffee saying they actually don't want people to replay it. They want people to tear down their factories that they've already built and rebuilt them. Because, you know, when they hinted at Update 6, they're introducing a new biome. And they're actually warning players of the biome to tear down their current factories that they have there in preparation for the for the map update. Because they are moving nodes around. They are adding new features. So I don't think CoffeeSane actually wants people to, to start the game over again. At least that's, that's the vibe I get. So on to the overall scores. Uh, I give this one an 8 out of 10. It's still technically early access, and 1.0 has been hinted as being on the horizon. Uh, update 6 is going to be the last update, from what I hear, uh, before they move to the final version of the game. And by final, I mean 1.0 and releasing to full-blown release on Steam and Epic. Um, is that anything over- ever final these days? Right. And, you know, some games have been in perpetual early access. It's just never end so (laughs) so early access is almost half you know most of the way released are already i enjoy the game very much i think it's a wonderful game it's gorgeous there's good ambiance i'm I'm addicted to it when i do play it there's definitely room for improvement but overall eight out of ten we'll we'll definitely continue to play it and if i haven't made it clear this game's just not entirely my jam again I'm, i'm bad at this kind of game and i lose interest fairly quickly. Um, I'd give it a probably a six out of 10. Maybe the, the one thing that might get me to play a little more is uh, Chris set up a dedicated server and he's basically doing all the work to unlock things and I can just dive in and build cool stuff, which is really all I want to do in a game like this is build cool stuff. So I'll probably hop in and do some of that and really enjoy that until I realize that actually I'm terrible at building things in 3D and controlling everything. So I'll get tired of that too. Um, So, you know, six out of 10, there's a lot of fun to be had. People who are into this kind of game, into the 3D and factory games, I am sure will absolutely love it. And I would highly recommend it. But personally, I just can't play that much of it, despite knowing that it's a good game. Yeah, so I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit about the game, even though I haven't played it at all. I I was really interested to hear your guys' descriptions of it. And I think... I would kind of be in between you two. I'm definitely interested to play it. It sounds like a really cool game. 
Um, I'm kind of in Dave's camp in that I care more about the gameplay than I do about controls or uh, sorry about like the, the, um, visuals and the, the, uh, the sound. Although I think that that's all really important and it's nice that it's, that it's uh, polished, but in particular, when it comes to something like this, where you're building a large complex factory or set of factories, there's a reason why people in real life working in the, the real three dimensional world use things like blueprints and, um, plans because you know building things in 3d is hard and not having played the game i don't know how much it's it's actually possible to do that but um, the fact that you said you have to like fly around with a jetpack to build things makes it sound like you might have to think in 3d the whole time and i'm not so good at that either but the thing that i thought was most interesting was how it's not procedurally generated and how the the map is the same for everybody and the the makers of the game release plans for updates so that everyone can plan for it and and upgrade their factory or move their factories as needed. I think that as a interesting social aspect where I don't usually like social aspects in games. I don't want to interact with people. You know, this is this is still kind of social because everyone's working in the same world or in copies of the same world, but you don't have to interact with them. I thought that was a really cool way of, of approaching the game. And I personally like the idea of everyone playing one long game and just constantly updating their factory as they go instead of restarting when they learn something else. So that wraps up this week's highlight game, Satisfactory. You can find it on Steam and Epic Games, and they have plenty of social media. They have a forum on their website. They have Discord channels and Reddit channels. So um, anywhere where you frequent on social media, you should be able to find it. So go ahead and check it out. Hope you enjoyed our uh, our review this week, and we appreciate Kamal giving his... Uh, his, his opinions on the game, despite not having played it, but building an impression based on uh, our reviews. So, on to round two of what's in your glass. What are you drinking, Kamal? I'm still finishing the same pour of this brandy. It was a heavy pour, and it's going to be enough for me for tonight. Oh, man, come on. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> what about you, Dave? What would you be drinking if you had another drink in you? Ah, good point. That is a good question. When I was picking this brandy out, I had a tough decision between that and a bottle of one of my favorites, Laphroaig. So I think it would probably be that. Uh, Laphroaig, that's a delicious Isla Scotch. Nothing like it. Oh, unless you're an Aaron in the cult of Ardbeg, then, you know might have something to say about it, but. I haven't drank enough Ardbeg. I just, Laphroaig's always been my default and I should probably branch out. Yeah, you gotta get the big three, which is Laphroaig, Lagavulin, and, and Ardbeg. Oh, for sure, Lagavulin. I think Lagavulin's my favorite of the three by far. It's just twice as expensive. So Laphroaig's usually <laughs> right. what I reach for. <laughs> right. I'll stick to my Japanese whiskeys. It's the only whiskey I drink regularly. Oh. Get some Hakushu. Nothing wrong with any of those. That's good stuff. So I moved on to another bottle of Russell's Reserve, a barrel pick that the Bourbon Society did. Now, I made a mistake earlier. I talked about the Mo Mojave tea that we did, and I was actually drinking Mr. Bundle, which is another pick. That's the name of it. So we always make fun of these liquor stores that they get the these allocated whiskeys that are hard to get, and they bundle them with four or five other bottle so it, they force you to buy multiple bottles of stuff you don't necessarily want we dubbed this one mr bundle 
to, to mock those other stores. So, but it's another Russell's. Most Russell's are heavy in the brown sugar department. Very sweet, um, very delicious though. These are pretty high proof. I think they're hitting in the, they're 110 proof. So they're up there, very flavorful. If you guys get a chance, seek out the store picks for whiskey. Those are typically gonna be the best bottles on the shelf. I finally digested enough to move on to another real beer. I've gone to the Coffee House Porter from Berkshire Brewing Company. It's a beer that when I was visiting my in-laws in Massachusetts, my father-in-law bought for me because I love porters, and it is delicious, uh, nice and roasty. It's got a nice, uh, nice, delicious coffee flavor on the front end, fading into a, a nice cool malt on the back. Yeah, I'm sorry you had to go to Massachusetts, you know. I don't like that place at all. Yeah, but, central Massachusetts. It's not like I had to go to Boston. No, okay, okay. That's that's better. You know, one one bad work experience ruined the entire uh, state for me. So, outside of our drinks that we have, have you guys been playing anything interesting lately? I've mostly been uh, playing Dyson Sphere program still since our last episode. Chris and I have been doing a, a couple of streams playing with the Nebula multiplayer mod and Galactic Scale. We've got two episodes that we streamed on Twitch. They're available on our YouTube channel for playback. Apart from that, I've been playing my own galactic scale game. I haven't gotten very far into it. I just haven't had that much time to play games. Also been playing a little bit of Rune Factory 5 still, but again, not just not very much time to play lately. And I had to play Satisfactory some more for the review. That took up most of my time. Kamal? I flew back from Seattle recently and... I uh, actually had some time on the plane to play a couple games. Uh, one was Twilight Struggle, which I just played against the AI. I have to give it the full handicap, and I still usually beat it pretty quickly. But it's, it's I don't know, it's what I play when I just want to relax and not think about anything, because I, I really enjoy playing it. I also played an old classic, Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Oh, wow, Dig, digging out of the archives on that one. Yeah, there's a new game out. Uh, I think it's called Heroes Hour. That's very much in the vein of Heroes 3. Um, and I was reading about it. it. sounds really cool. Really? I'll check it out. Because after all these years, I think Heroes is the game that I come back to the, the most. Yeah. That's a, it's a phenomenal game. For sure. What about you, Chris? Since our last episode, I was playing a lot of Satisfactory. And then about a week or a week and a half ago when we started the multiplayer stream, I uh, got big back into Dyson Sphere program. We were playing with the new mods, so I spun up my own galactic scale as well. Found a couple bugs, report them on GitHub to the developer. He was quick to patch, so if you guys get a chance, go go check out that mod. Give him, give him some love as well. I kind of uh, overdid galactic scale, and I think I did like a 900-star cluster this time around. And right off the bat, it was struggling, and it wasn't more than a two or three planets into it that I was already getting the FPS warning in the upper left-hand corner that it was dropping below 30 FPS or whatever. So it's it's crushed right now. I'll probably end up abandoning that game for favor of a smaller cluster. But it was interesting to spin it up and to see see what the laptop can handle. You know, it's a fairly new gaming laptop. A Ryzen 9 6000 series Radeon is in it. It's a good laptop, but to see it get crushed like that was was pretty nice. That's a pretty good lead into our mod spotlight of the week. We were going to talk about the Galactic Scale and Nebula Multiplayer for Dyson Sphere Program. 
like you said, galactic scale lets you play with variable numbers of stars. You can tweak a lot of settings around the planets and stars. You can get binary stars. There's a lot of really, really neat stuff. But, you know, as you up the number of stars and get a lot of factories down, things can get pretty intense for your computer. I, I think I started a 150, but I'm not even off my home planet yet, so I don't know how well my computer is going to handle that. It's pretty beefy, too. It'll be able to get a get decent-sized with that medium-sized of a cluster and still do all right. Like you said, the the maker of the mod is very responsive on figuring out what's going on with bugs. That's really excellent to see. And yeah, like you like you have experienced, you can't really throw down your blueprints all the time because you can vary the planet size and some of the smaller planets can get a little funky. But the new force blueprint functionality can help with that a little bit. Yeah, the only one I came across was I have that white cube factory that goes in the in the first um, tropic zone and then the next zone above it. And you have to use, it only works on exactly a 200 radius planet, which is the default vanilla size for a planet. Uh, if you're on a 210 or a 190, it says a different coordinate system was used to create this blueprint. And it, and it won't let you force it down, so you can't even force yeah, it down and try to fix it. So it's a, it's a little bit of a bummer, and that's a really handy blueprint. So what I ended up doing is just searching the nearby stars, and I found one that had a 200 radius planet and just went there and made that my science factory but did you have any any trouble with any of the ones that stayed in one zone uh the the Probably. bigger the yeah the bigger the planet the easier it was um okay. when you get under the 200 radius even if you're in the uh in the, in the equatorial zone i guess you would call it the you know the central most the biggest yeah. band it it still became harder as you got towards the poles because the coordinate system squashed together and the game doesn't handle those variances very well. So the I mean it makes sense. It's it's just a mod. Oh yeah, totally. There's only so much they can do. Yeah, and uh my uh, antimatter, the the artificial suns, right? In some of the in some of the zones you can't even place them and chain them together because or in order for them to be far enough hard so they're not colliding with each other, then the the assorter doesn't reach from from one to the other. So you can't chain them together and daisy chain them like, you know, the whole purpose of those of those power plants are. So, yeah, that'll screw up uh, the way everybody builds a, a polar power zone. Exactly. Yeah, and I can't seem to figure out because unless you're on the exact 200, on the bigger planets, there seems to be a lot more zones. And on the smaller planets, there's less, but they're smaller. You know, might only be one block high, like a, hmm. the, uh, the 10 by 10 square high right yeah so it's very difficult slap blueprints down but having that variability is really nice being able to up the amount of planets per system is really nice there's comets you can enable that have like one rare ore on them that you can plant one miner on it if you wanted to there's cute little moon planets around gas giants around other planets so i think it adds a lot of variability you know it's not just a of vanilla 200 radius every planet's the exact same size yeah that's so. one of the things that bothers me most about the original the base game of dsp is just how everything's the exact same size it's kind of annoying i mean it's nice for building out blue you know planet-wide blueprints but that's not realistic right and then, and then the other piece is nebula multiplayer which 
we streamed a little bit, you know, I, I got kicked out of the Exactly. And, you know, we're both playing on laptops um, in in rooms that aren't near our, our wireless access point. So I know mine drops periodically every now and then when it switches from one AP to the other. I don't have true uh, wireless roaming in, in my house. You know, I don't have a mesh system. And I think you said the same thing. You have an older house, brick walls. So, yeah, I, so, I, so have those... a, I have a seamless network, but the the office that I do most of my gaming in is one of the Unfortunately, one of the weaker points of internet access in my house. Definitely going to get kicked every now and then. Oh, yeah. But other than that, I mean, Nebula's been surprisingly stable, considering it's third-party multiplayer support, which is pretty ambitious of a mod. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. If you have any suggestions for us, please let us know. You can email us at bottleneckshow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at bottleneck underscore show or check us out on Twitch, The Bottleneck Show. We'll see you next time. And as always, the factory must grow. The factory must grow.